0: Hebrews chapter 6. So we continue our study through the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 6 in the middle of this warning section not to be sluggish. And so, man, it's been a great study. If you're new, this is your first time, jump in with us. There's reading plans, great resources online through tcbchurch.org. You can catch up. But, man, we're having a blast studying through the book of Hebrews. And so we're going to be there. Now, something's a little different. This passage is going to be kind of divided over two weeks. So you're kind of getting part A of a sermon, and you have to come back to get part B, all right? So uh, make sure you come back, all right? Already, Already plugging it. Next week, this week goes hand in hand. Part of that is we've got a lot of just great stuff. Mike was talking about that. To celebrate as a church with five baptisms, don't let that be lost on you. Man, the gospel is proclaimed in that if we don't say or do another thing. And that's an incredible testimony, and it is a blessing. Celebrate that. We get to commission parents and acknowledge the responsibility of discipleship given to the home at the end of the service. Really sweet thing. Next week we'll have almost 40 new members here that we get to just celebrate with at our church. We get to commission and send out uh, various different people who are going all over the world and all over our country to advance the gospel through the summer next week. A lot of fun stuff happening at our church Celebrate with us. Just dive in. It is a blessing. But first, got to acknowledge something. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Would you just celebrate with our moms for just a second and just just say, I appreciate our moms. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Listen, uh, mothers, you guys... You're astonishingly patient. It blows my mind. I mean, here's what I think about sometimes when I think of Mother's Day. Uh, Mothers of sons, sons, blessed be you. See, Amy's mom has two daughters, Amy and her sister. And if you talk to her mom, the memories are always kind of sweet. They're thoughtful and for the most part, just encouraging. If you talk to my mother, who I am her only child, she gets one son, they're, they're less sweet. I mean, listen, it's still joyful, but it's the kind of joyful that you, you know, you, you have when you celebrate a near-death experience, you know, you get off the roller coaster and you're like, whoo, can you believe I survived that? I think that's what it's like uh, to mother, sons, and so really mothers are astonishingly patient. Uh, Real quick story, just to give you an idea. When I was a kid, I was probably like 10 or 11 years old, and I've always suffered from migraines, and it was a Sunday night. My mom went to church, and she left me at home with a migraine. You can think through that however you want, but I mean, the thing is, is, really, they could come on quick, and they could leave quick, and After about an hour, I was feeling better, and I decided to go get a snack, and I got some ketchup, I I think for some chips. I don't know what I was doing. I was 10, and I had a brilliant idea when I saw the ketchup. I can take this old white shirt I have, smear the ketchup on me so that I'll look like I've been shot and just lay in in the driveway. So I timed it, and my mom comes pulling in in the car, And I'm laying in the driveway like one of those taped out like dead figures with like ketchup smeared all over my chest like I'm dead. Um, My mom gets out of the car screaming, not in panic, but threatening to kill me (laughs) again. Um, And so I got beaten, of course. Um, Mothers are astonishingly patient. here's the truth they hold fast to their hope in their child more times than not no matter what we put them through they continue to hope for us they hope in us again and again a mother's love and hope is astonishing but still listen it's broken, it's broken, it's a broken effort because mothers are broken, it's a broken source because their children are broken and I don't just mean like you know how we say well no one's perfect but you're great, no I mean the kind of broken in which the Bible says that our hearts are desperately sick, we're evil. We're sinful. We fall short of the glory of God. We're broken. Even at our best, broken. What a great transition back into Hebrews. The author is building this argument that Jesus is better. He is the better revelation, God in flesh. Who offers a better rest, a perfect Sabbath. Peace with God because He is a better priest, a better high priest who brings a better and a perfect covenant, a better promise. Because Jesus is a better hope, not broken, not uncertain, not unreliable. And so the author of Hebrews will go on and he will conclude in chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And then in chapter 11, he's going to list example after example to demonstrate this, that the confession of our hope comes by faith. Faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See as Jesus followers, we hold fast, fast, tight. without wavering, not growing sluggish, we hold fast to the confession of our hope through faith, assured that Jesus is the better hope. Be warned. Don't be sluggish, don't waver, hold fast to your faith with patience. Jesus is faithful, he who began a great work in you will complete it. That's our big truth, promises are inherited with faith and patience and the author of Hebrews is making this argument, chapter 6 verse 11. He says and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises the author calls us to live with full assurance of hope until the end be warned you're going to be tempted to grow weary, to be satisfied with where you are. Don't long for the full stature of Christ's likeness in which you were set apart. Do not grow satisfied. Instead, the author says, look to some examples and take encouragement. To those who held fast to their faith and be imitators. It means followers. Means to walk in their direction. Be imitators of who? Verse 12 those who inherited the promises. Biblical examples of men and women who were promised by God an outcome, a result, an action. They inherited these documented biblical promises. With faith, the full assurance of hope in God, and patience that would be held into the end. And the example provided here is that of Abraham. Now there's going to be more examples in Hebrews 11, but right off the bat the author is going to give us an example of one who inherited promises through faith and patience. And there's also a little bonus evidence that's happening with Abraham, and I want you to listen as we go through it. It's going to help you over the next few weeks. That is, there's evidence of Jesus' better priesthood through the order of Melchizedek, and that's going to have connection back to Abraham as well. So it's like a bonus on the side. Listen for these things as we continue reading. Verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on behalf having many uh, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek Abraham inherited God's promise through faith and patience the author of Hebrews here is specifically referencing back to Genesis 22 Let me read it to you, verse 16, Genesis 22. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, God speaking to Abraham, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. The author of Hebrews says, because you have done this, because you have offered up Isaac, your only son. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do what the author of Hebrews calls us to do. If he calls us to be imitators of Abraham, we've got to consider who he is and what he did. What is this thing that he has done? And so I want to take you back, and I want to just spend the rest of the morning reviewing the life of Abraham, and specifically in the context in which the author of Hebrews is talking to us this morning. And just kind of give us a reminder of Who's Abraham? What promise did he inherit? And why is he the go-to example here for the author of Hebrews? So to just kind of get us started, I've been thinking about something. Kids, you have to help me out. How many of you remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham? Some of the kids are like this. Some of you are just staring at me. I was really expecting you to sing with me. Uh, how many of you guys remember that song? If you've been into church for a long time, a few of you. Yeah. I want you to think about something. This promise gets simplified into a kid's song. And we just sing it. We call him Father Abraham, and we say he had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. And we just simplify it to this song. But if you're Abraham, this is what I want you to get. It's not that simple. This is going to play out over 25 years. it's going to be hard. It's going to test his patience. It's going to test his faith. Man, remember what is happening in scripture when Abraham comes on the scene. Remember the flood? Everyone but Noah and his family. Gone. And so the population of the world starts over with them and generation after generation. Until the Tower of Babel, and if you remember, it spread people all about. And God finds favor with a man named Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. In other words, leave your home, leave your homeland, leave your people. To go where exactly? I'll show you later. The Lord says to Abram in verse 2, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4 tells us that Abram is 75 years old when God calls him and he leaves. 75 years old. So God calls Abram and Abram follows. And God promises Abram, Abram, his name will get changed to Abraham a little bit later. Promises Abram a great nation and a great land through which the families of the earth shall be blessed. But there's one small problem. Abram, at this time, doesn't have the land, doesn't even know where the land is. And he doesn't have any children. He has no heirs. He has no offspring. In chapter 13, God further reveals his promise to Abram and says, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. So he's journeyed, he's came into the promised land, and the Lord says, look northward and southward, eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. God restates his promise to Abram. He shows Abram the promised land and he says, all of it belongs to your offspring forever. He clarifies, your offspring are going to be many, too many to count. And yet, guys, there's still this small problem. He has no children. He's in his late 70s. That's a problem. In chapter 14, verse 18, I want to point this out again. This has context for us in Hebrews. Abram recognizes Melchizedek as God's priest. Verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, Brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. In verse 20, Abram gave him a tenth of everything. David confirms this later in Psalm 110, 4. the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So why are you taking time to point this out? Because the author of Hebrews is making the argument that Jesus is a better high priest and he's not of the line of Levites as the law was given to men. He sits outside of the Levitical priesthood and instead he is in the order of Melchizedek. I just want you to understand this isn't something new. It's not like the author of Hebrews is just sitting around going, how could I make this work? This goes all the way back to Abraham, all the way back to Genesis 14. And in Genesis 15, God makes a formal covenant with Abram. Verse 2, but Abram said, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house, leasier of Damascus, Think about that. He's saying a servant. I don't even have a child of my own. Right now, my heir is a servant in my house. Verse 3, Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Let me, let me kind of personalize it a little bit, Okay. God, I don't know if you're going to be able to keep your promise. It's not your fault. I'm too limited. I'm too broken. I'm old. It's too late. It's not going to come. What do you think about this compromise? Some of us are deeply prideful with reverse pride that says, I can't. I'm so messed up. I'm so broken. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I go through. You don't know how. God can't do that in me. Right standing before him, the full stature of Christ's likeness His holiness on me? Are you kidding me? That can't happen. And we begin to, in our mind, limit God. Putting ourselves at the center. As we see our brokenness. Abram's asking, how's this going to work? And in verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. For he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to them, or said to him, so shall your offspring be. Listen, Abram believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. Verse 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land. God again clarifies his promise, your very own son. Abram couldn't understand how. He could not get his mind around how it would happen. Yet, he believed the Lord. And God counted it to him, his faith in who God is, to work in something beyond he could even... I mean, everybody could have his mind around that. He counted it to him as righteousness. And we're going to revisit this passage next week, but for now I want you to notice... Abram's faith is holding he doesn't understand how it's not perfect, it's broken but it's holding and yet that small problem still remains, there's no children and ten years later after the original promise still no children and in Genesis 16 Abram's 85 years old and Sarai, Abram's wife who's roughly 76 at this time, said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Abram has a son with Hagar. Servant of his wife and this compromised adoption, Ishmael. He's 86 years old, and chapter 16 ends. 13 years later, God appears to a 99 year old Abram who still has this problem. He has no other children, only the child of compromise, not a promise. And in chapter 17, God changes Abram's name to Abraham. Pick up in verse 4, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Then God gives Abraham a physical sign of the covenant and circumcision. In chapter 17, keep going, verse 10, he says, This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your your foreskins. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Now listen to verse 14. It's really important for your New Testament understanding. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. See, if you don't understand the significance of this covenant and this sign of Of the covenant that's given to the Hebrew people, you're going to really struggle in your New Testament when you're reading through books like Acts and Galatians. It was a major, major debate among the early church. Because for so long, by the very word of God, circumcision marked what it meant to be God's people. And if you weren't obedient to that, you weren't with God. You broke his covenant you rejected him if you didn't understand how serious this is consider Stephen remember Stephen who's martyred when Stephen is speaking the very words that get him killed is he looks back at them and says you are uncircumcised of heart he's saying you do not belong to God your heart is cut off from him And so I just want you to see, even this that saturates our New Testament goes all the way back to Abraham. And after all of this, all of this, Abraham responds. And he questions and he seeks compromise. He pleads for Ishmael. Verse 17, then Abraham fell on his face and he laughed. And said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Abraham laughs at the idea, asks for a compromise. I mean, what about Ishmael? God says no. Now watch and consider Abraham's faith, his patience in this moment. Watch. He's displaying his longing to compromise, to do that which is right in his own eyes, to fix the problem. And God says no. And the very next thing that Abraham does is he leaves and he circumcises the men of his house. He acts according to faith. He's obedient. He doesn't understand how. He's uncertain of even why. But Abraham was certain of who? It is the Lord, the one true God, my creator and sustainer. And he has said no. And he has said he will give me a son. And so in Genesis chapter 22, I'm going to read for a little bit, more or less as we close. Abraham offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Consider it. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. And he prepared all that he would need to be obedient to the call of God. Pick up in verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac his son. And he took his hand with the fire and the knife so they went both of them. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and he laid the wood in order And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took his knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns, or by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Verse 15. And the angel of the Lord said to Abraham a second time from heaven, this is what's cited in Hebrews. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this. And have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring the stars of heaven and is the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. I'm going to ask the team to come on up but I want you to notice Abraham inherited God's promise through faith and patience. Because you have done this, the author of Hebrews quotes. Why Abraham? Because he's an example of a promise inherited through faith and patience. Be an imitator of him. But but exactly what? What am I imitating? The author brings clarity to this in Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to verse 17. By faith. By faith. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Verse 19 He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham considered that God was able. With faith. With faith. Even if it delayed another 25 years, another 50, God is sovereign, creator, sustainer. He is capable. He is able. He didn't know how and he didn't completely understand why. He only knew what God had promised. And he promised him, Isaac, that his covenant would go through him. Consider it. Let it bring definition to faith for you. Let it bring definition to what the author of Hebrews is calling you and I to hold fast to. See, Abraham held fast to his faith with patience. See, God has promised us Jesus. He has promised to us Jesus' perfect holiness. He has promised to us Jesus' eternal life. God has promised. Promised that the suffering of this present age is not worth comparing to what lies ahead in Jesus. God has promised us, listen, a perfect hope, a perfect love, a perfect joy in Jesus that is not broken. It's better What is now broken, God has promised to fix. There do not be satisfied. Do not be satisfied with your compromise. But hold fast to your faith. Go on to maturity to which you have been called. You may not understand how. You may not understand why. Church, listen. But who is enough? He is the one true God. And he is worthy of our faith and our patience. I'm gonna close by just giving you a moment to pray and to consider. And then we're gonna look back and we're gonna remember that Jesus gave his body and his blood so that we might be redeemed through faith in him. But consider Abraham. Consider the definition of faith and patience. Consider what it means to be an imitator.